Hi, this is Brandon. Welcome to the Crucible of Thought podcast. I'm here to share things that interest me and things that I think the Lord has brought to my attention. Today's episode is titled, Fear and Accusation. We cannot live in fear. That's been said over and over by pastors and prophets and pundits and politicians across America. As of late October 2021, I personally have one dead friend, a dead relative, another friend who the doctors gave only 50% odds of survival but finally seems to be recovering after weeks intubated and medicinally paralyzed, a couple others who are hospitalized, and several others who are sick but fortunately not seriously. And that doesn't consider the other 700,000 or more dead Americans and nearly 9 million now living with long COVID symptoms. And that's estimated at over 20% of the cases. It's been said that we're in a spiritual battle against the COVID virus. Well, I disagree. Maybe some demon did cause one critical mutation in a SARS virus that kicked off the pandemic in the Far East in late 2019. But what has happened ever since in America was predicted precisely by many epidemiologists and sociologists in early 2020. They understood what was going to happen based on how people were prone to behaving and how the virus was already acting. And when people have unprotected contact with infected people, they get sick. It's a completely natural phenomenon that has been understood for many decades. And this pandemic has happened exactly as predicted, even though those predictions were ridiculed by a lot of people at first. A virus doesn't require continued demonic activity to spread. It only needs poor choices by humans. So I'd rather talk for a moment about fear. Consider this. What's the dividing line between fear and caution? So here's some bits of advice that most of us have heard in some form or another. Don't kiss someone you know has the flu. Don't share drinking glasses with someone who has a cold. Wash your hands frequently to stay healthy. Use hand sanitizer during flu season. Get the flu vaccine every year. Get the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine. Get the polio vaccine. Be extra careful around old people. They're more susceptible to cold than flu. Pretty much everyone agrees that those precautions are smart. Nobody cries, that's living in fear. Well, where's the line for COVID-19? Consider this increasingly restrictive list of recommendations and think about where you might draw the line. Live with no restraints because COVID isn't dangerous. Or live with no restraints. COVID is dangerous, but it's really unlikely to hurt you. Live with no restraints. COVID might hurt you, but it probably won't kill you. Eh, Stay home if you have temperature. Take vitamin C and D and zinc to help your immune system. Don't kiss or hug someone that you know has COVID-19. Or don't sit too close to someone you know is infectious. Try to stay six feet away from others whenever you can. Don't use hand sanitizer after touching something in public. Don't hug people. Fist bump, don't shake hands. Don't touch anyone at all. Wear a mask to reduce the chances you'll breathe in what others just breathed out. Cloth masks aren't good enough. Only a KN95 is good enough. Don't eat indoors in public restaurants. Get vaccinated. Get a booster shot. Mask and vaccine and booster. Avoid unnecessary crowds. 
No, avoid all crowds, including church services. Stay home and avoid everyone at all costs. Well, a lot of recommendations there. Somewhere on that list is each person's line of, that's far enough. But is that truly a fear response simply because someone has a personal line that they won't cross? What makes it fear instead of just caution? So, in the absence of a clearly defined line, I wonder who gets to make that uninformed and assumption-filled judgment about someone else's spiritual condition or emotional state or intellectual decision-making process. Can a judgment even be made at all without full awareness of their individual personal health limitations, their social situation, who they might need to protect? Or are they the only ones that can answer about their own decision? It would seem to me that if someone is more restrained, then the others who are less restrained tend to blame that on them being fearful. It's an accusation that even an intellectual choice could be based in an unacknowledged and soulish fear. There's really no grace for others simply being more cautious or having unspoken factors affecting their decision. Unfortunately, this topic has now been framed as a a great spiritual battle against the evil spirit of fear. If someone chooses anything that limits free assembling of people and religious activities, it's framed as fear. And the spirit of fear has been paired in such sermons with the spirit of division, because challenging such decisions is seen as dividing the body. Well, I say this is foolishness. It leaves no room for being wrong about that line of caution. It creates an awkward situation if that caution line is found to be in the wrong place, because now repentance is necessary for having incorrectly judged a sizable group of people based on their chosen safety zones. In fact, I think this is the very thing that Paul warned against in 1 Corinthians 8. He readily acknowledged in verse 7 that a personal limit might be based on weakness. He said, since their conscience is weak. Or it might be based on a lack of knowledge. He said, not everyone knows this. But then his point was not about where the line was. Because he said in verse 8, we're no worse if we do not, and no better if we do. And this topic Paul was discussing was actually based on real Old Testament commands that were being violated in some people's conscience. He wasn't making light of the struggle to understand how to do well. Instead, at the core, his, his point was about how we treat those with a different caution line than us. It's about sinning against our brothers and thereby sinning against Christ, as he finished in verse 12. And in verse 9 he said, Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. But this also works in the reverse. If someone is less restrained, then those who are more restrained seem to blame it on foolishness. There's no grace for others being less cautious. And with COVID vaccines, it's also being blamed on fear. Not of COVID, but fear of the vaccine. In reality, someone not being vaccinated because they're cautious about the vaccine is just as much an issue of conscience and intelligent choice as are the cautious measures of masking and distancing and not meeting publicly. Even if some are convinced that the supposedly intelligent choice has been corrupted by misinformation, it's still a sinful judgment to accuse someone of fear instead of simply using caution. As soon as we make that personal conviction a point of accusation of demonic influence, we sin against our brothers and sisters. It's cursing the careful application of the very intelligence that God created in them. It's cursing their desire to honor their bodies and others' health, no matter whether it's a choice to or not to vaccinate. So, disagreement is okay. 
Accusation is not. There's no doubt that we will continue to disagree on the wisdom of vaccination or masking or other choices, but as soon as we accuse our brother of fear and we weaponize that accusation to force uncomfortable compliance against someone's conscience, we're acting sinfully. 1 Corinthians 8 is pretty clear about that, and it doesn't require forcing someone's compliance. The mere public assertion that fear is leading to incorrect lines of caution, that alone is damaging. It creates an inappropriate peer pressure to violate one's conscience. Now, I'm not arguing for vaccination or masking or distancing here, and I'm also not arguing against those things. Those matters do need to be settled for public health. Disease has exploded in the community and even in my church, almost certainly because people's personal limits were looser than was wise. That's true at a community level, it's true at a local church level, and it's even more true at the nationwide level. But the pandemic is less of a crisis for the body, I think, than the spirit of accusation that is manifested. Yes, it's a spiritual battle we're in right now, but I submit that it's not against COVID, and it's also not against fear, and it's absolutely not against each other. Instead, perhaps we ought to refocus our teaching onto love and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control and on laying down our lives for one another, not preferring our own comfort or even our own lives over our brothers and sisters. Those attributes seem to be sharply lacking in this season. That's what I have to say for this week, and thank you all for joining me. Talk to you next time.